and crime family welcome back to another episode specifically to part two of this insane story that lo's been taking us down dun, dun, dun. dramatic effect <laughs> <laughs> that fits for this story for sure i could just stick to law and order dun, dun. Yeah, that might even be, for some reason, that's shorter, but, like, to me, that's even more of, like, a dramatic sound. <laughs> more efficient. Yeah, takes me back to when I was a teenager, and I would hear it in the middle of the night on my mom's TV. <laughs> right. Um, I want to jump into the story because it's a lot to unpack, but you said just, you know, taking you back. Um, Charlotte is addicted to Grey's Anatomy and she's watching it for the second time all 19 seasons and uh I started watching it when we were out of town on vacation and now I'm like freaking hooked again I never finished it I stopped it like way before 19 well that's so many seasons like that has to be like a record for I know it's not the most seasons a show has had but it's got to be like up there because 19 seasons is crazy I know, and it's still going. And I know a lot of people die along the way, but. Yeah, I've actually never, I've watched episodes here and there, but I've never, like, sat down and, like, actually, like, watched the show in its entirety. Yeah. Well, the first couple seasons were so good. And then I don't know what happened. I just kind of, like, Kind of you know. teetered off. Yeah, exactly. Got into other stuff. But I know Patrick Dempsey is sexiest man of the year, so that made Charlotte super happy. Is he this year he is? Yes. And we'll discuss more offline. I know I got to get to the story, but me and Charlotte, I don't know. Do you have plans on Monday? Monday. I don't think so. We possibly want to try to get tickets. We'll go out to the MJR by your house and go see Thanksgiving the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. I'd if, be down for that. Okay. And Patrick Dempsey's in it. Oh, is he? Oh, my gosh. So Okay. I'm down. But we'll discuss no, think, that off air. They don't need to care. Yeah, you guys, you guys don't need to hear our plans. <laughs> we'll tell you after we've seen it because you know we're going to spill the deets on the movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so if you weren't with us last week, we talked about Pamela Smart, an uh, old case, a 22-year-old advisor, administrator at a school, not really a teacher, um, seduces a teenage boy, uh, manipulates his friends, and basically starts to put together a plan to like take out her newly wedded husband. So we're going to get into, we talked about the Pamela side. We went through the relationship with them, how they got to where they are. Now we're going to talk about Billy Flynn and his crew and how it all comes together. My, one word to describe it. Icky. Icky. That's a good word. Yeah. It's icky and it's sticky and. Yeah. That's how we feel about icky it. again. Double icky. <laughs> we don't like it. <laughs> okay. So. Let's get started. Let's jump into it. So we left off where Pamela is playing on Billy's emotions. And she's playing the whole, if you loved me, you'd kill my husband card. I mean, 
it's just so obvious, right? Like he should totally do it then if he loves her, right? I mean, that's what I would think, right? <laughs> so Billy doesn't want to lose Pam, but at the same time, he doesn't know if he has the conscience to be a murderer. So he's like struggling with this, okay? Yeah, I'd say it's a big decision. <laughs> and then we talked about his friends, Patrick Randall, who goes by Pete. And then his other bestie, JR. Well, they're all inseparable. They're all friends. They met when he moved to New Hampshire. Um, they're the ones that kind of got him through the tragic years when he lost his dad. They basically, you know, fixed cars together in the front yard, jammed the Van Halen. They created this brotherhood, this, you know, the pact. You will do anything for each other, brotherhood. But like, how far will that brotherhood go? So, random, in the beginning of April, Billy and his crew get together and they sit down and Billy says, listen, I have this plan, but I need some help. He explains everything, including the murder of Greg, making it look like a robbery. He says, listen, if we do it correctly, we can have anything we want in the house. His friends were like, crazy enough, they're like, okay, like, I'm on board. Like, really? <laughs> like, how is it that in these stories or in general or in life, like, it's so easy to find people to be on board for murder? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone in my group. Okay, I might know a couple, but it's for sure not KK. I'll tell you mm -hmm. that much. If, they, <laughs> if I said I need someone taken out, like I got this plan. There might be one in particular that'd be like, I'll get my keys. I'm kidding, I think. <laughs> but anyway, <Question> mark. <laughs> like, it just mind boggles me how in a lot of these stories, it's so easy that friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, they're like, all right, let's do this. Like, right? Like, it's no big deal. Like, it's just, you know, just another Tuesday, whatever. Yeah. Like... Well no thought going into the decision well if you remember there was this other friend ralph um and he would kind of crash over at the house once in a while too he was kind of you know not having the best home life or whatever well he had a cousin named ray and he happened to be over and he had been heard the knuckleheads talking about their plan or whatever it is you want to call it Hashtag kill Greg, rob the house for my older lover plan. Um, but and instead of forming the police, like he slides in and is like, hey, I heard you guys talking. How do I get in on this? And it's just like, oh, my God. Like people are just like, I don't know, Crystal, I think we should walk around New Hampshire for a day and see what these people are. Honestly, I don't want to. They sound scary. <laughs> <laughs> they sound terrifying. Um, so he's like, listen, I just got out of Rockingham Corrections Facility. So I was there for four months, not really looking to go back. I just want to be a part of like the robbery part, like maybe get some loot, see what I can find. I really ain't down for the murder, but I mean, if you need me to, I'll do it. But that's not really my intentions. Okay that's hilarious he's like 
I just got out of I just got out of jail. I really don't want to go back, but I mean, if you really want me to help with the murder, I guess I can. <laughs> yeah, he's like it's really not my thing, but you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll consider it, but I'm for sure in for robbery. <laughs> So now they're feeling pretty good. They got like the A-team together here, okay? And now they just got to find a weapon. Easy breezy lemon squeezy. I mean, right? How hard is it to get like a gun when you're 15? Wrong. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. I guess they didn't realize how complicated it actually is for three minors to find a gun. At least back in the 80s. <laughs> so okay that's a problem we'll just come up with we'll come up with a backup plan though okay so they all agree that if they can't find a gun they're gonna get a hunting knife instead like ouch <laughs> so quick and done to super painful knife like we're just gonna go from shooting him quickly to gutting him like a fish also, that's so much more complicated. Like, their plan could go sideways so much easier. Again, they're 15. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, the rest of them is still trying to come up with the plan of how to find a gun. But Billy goes to Pamela and is like, listen, Pam, I don't have my license. I don't have a car. Actually, none of us do because, like, dude, we're 15. <laughs> And she's like, well, that's not a problem. I have a car. I'll leave my Honda CXR in the back parking lot while I'm at the school meeting. The keys will be in the ignition. Just hop in and then you guys go do your thing. Like they're going bowling. Also, like, what a dumb bitch. She wants people to see her car. I guess. Like... <laughs> so Billy told the rest of the group the plan and they're like, dude, okay. So the four of them, Billy, Pete, JR, and Ray, they all hop in the car. But here's the thing. Billy starts getting a panic attack. He's freaking out. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't know how to get out of this. You can't tell Pam because he's in love with her. She's the love of his life, but she will freak the freak out. And he can't tell the boys because if he does, then he's a pansy ass and a big baby. So here's the thing. He figures... If I just give him the wrong directions, because it's like the 80s and there's no Siri, and I don't <laughs> even think MapQuest was a thing then, so like we'll just drive in circles and it won't be my fault, right? That but, sounds like something I would do. <laughs> but Ray kind of figured out where he was, and he's like, oh, I don't need Ray anymore. I got this, bro. I know where I'm at. Bill's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> So the time they got to Pam's house, so her husband was already in the house and they missed their window of opportunity to get into the house before him. So now they have to go back and tell Pam that it didn't happen and why. And she was very understanding. She gave him a hug. She said, it's okay, baby. I get it. No, I'm kidding. That's not what happened. She was pissed. And she was like, oh my God. If you loved me, you'd stop making excuses. You'd stop screwing this up. You'd get your shit together and get it done. And Billy's like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Like, you're right. I'm sorry. I won't screw it up next time. I'll get it right. I won't let you down. I will not fail you. So now a few weeks later, Pam tells Billy, okay, there's another school meeting. 
this is your chance, okay? And he does a bit of thinking. And he's like, okay. So the guys, they want $1,000 catch each. And she agrees on $500 each. And they're like, okay, deal. But she's like, I'm going to pay it like over time, like not at once because like it can't look spish. You know what I mean? So they have this verbal agreement like, all right, A-team, back in action. So now Pam's like getting together with Cecilia and she drives around the neighborhood and with the boys as well. And she's like, let me hold your hand and show you guys exactly what to do and how to do it, okay? So she basically, this is where we start. This is where you go. This is where you go in at. This is da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Got it? Okay. So now it's going time to, the day is, today is the day. They're going to do it. They're going to get the job done. Greg's at work. He was actually going to be leaving a little bit early because he had plans with some clients for an early dinner. Meanwhile, everything is set back at the condo. Pam left the door open. She tells the boys where all the expensive things are. Take what you want. The jewelry box is in the master bedroom. Like, whatever. But she tells them, I don't want to know the details of this, okay? Like, bitch. You literally put them on the map. You literally drove them through the neighborhood. You literally are offering to pay them. You literally came up with the plan yourself, but you don't want to know details. Like she legit planned the whole thing out, but she's like, don't tell me, don't tell me how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. So now instead of using Pam's car, they decided they're going to use JR's grandma's car. Not granny. And if all if all poor granny knew what was about to go down in her car. <laughs> so they're driving around town and they have to kill some time until dark. So they park at a shopping center near the condo and just kind of hang out. Billy and Peter in the backseat, they're actually starting to get ready. And I can't make this up, but they are taping their fingers one by one, so there's no fingerprints left hmm. in the condo. All right. I, I, I guess rubber, rubber gloves are out of the budget. <laughs> right. She told them, I'll get you gloves, but I'm taking it out of the $500. Like, nah, we'll just tape our fingers. We'll just use tape. <laughs> so Billy's getting the 38 revolver loaded, ready, which they stole from Jair's dad, by the way. The sun has gone down. It's dark. Billy and Pete make their way around back of the condo where the door is unlocked. They go inside. They get the dog. They take it to the basement. Disclaimer, there was no injuries to the dog. Finally, a story with a happy ending. Well, kind of. (laughs) I had to witness some shit, but. Oh, it's traumatized. So then they go through the house, starting with the master bedroom and just destroying it, taking the valuables, but they're like flipping the mattress and knocking over lamps and just ransacking it. 
and they go into the main floor and they do the same thing, just taking what they want and destroying it. Like even like over and above what needs to be destroyed, but they're just like, yeah, having a field day with this. Like it's like, you know, a day at the zoo and they're just, you know, running wild. <laughs> Gosh. So once the house is trashed and the loot is looted, Billy finds a dark corner and he sits there and he's waiting and he's discussing this with Pete of how it's going to go down. And they're like, so like, do we jump out of the closet and scare him and then like throw a towel over his head so he can't see what he's doing and then like, bam, get him that way. Or like, do we just like have him come in and just like knock him out like quickly so they're like going through all these different plans of like what they're going to do. I mean, it's funny, but not funny. Like it's terrible that they're planning this, but the part where they're going to throw a towel over his face. I mean, that was kind of comical. Right. So final plan, they're behind the door and we'll close the door. We'll scare them. We'll turn off all the lights. What does this mean? Like, wouldn't you have to be like a sharpshooter? Cause I'm thinking like, Let's just say, for instance, Crystal, you're not who you are, okay? And, like, me and you are going to execute a plan where, for some reason, we have to shoot somebody. And he's coming in, and you're behind him. Why would you turn off the lights before you shoot? Yeah, like, you can't freaking see where you're aiming. Yeah, like, because it's a 38 revolver, so there's no scope on it, you know what I mean? right. So I'm like, why would you turn the, you better you got be a hell of a shot. Cause I swear to God, Crystal, if you shoot me, I'm going to be pissed. Better not miss. <laughs> We're going to talk about it on the drive home if I survive. Yeah. That's why you don't give me the gun. <laughs> so anyway, they come up with a plan, but a few minutes later, after they nailed out the plan, Greg's headlights pull into the driveway and somehow between the nerves, the anxiety, stress, whatever happened, they got switched around to where Billy was behind the door and Pete was the one in the corner. Greg walks in and his dog's not really barking. So he's kind of like, it's kind of weird. Kind of something's off. Can't quite place it. But before he could get like all his thoughts in order, Billy busts out from behind the door and just like, bear hugs him like gets him from behind and greg is stunned and shocked but he like jerks his shoulders back and billy kind of falls but before anything else gets out of control pete runs in and knocks greg down from behind and greg kind of like rolls over and looks up like what the hell is going on and Billy is just punching the shit out of him, kicking him, like just going ham. And Pete walks over and just like bangs his head off the wall. They get him up. They tell him to get on his knees. So, and he's just like, oh my God, like I was just coming home from work and now this is happening. Like he's so confused. He thinks it's just a burglary, you know, a couple of punk kids. They're yelling at him their own demands. They want his jewelry. They want, you know, all the things. They ask for his ring. And he says, you can't have my ring. My wife will kill me. 
please don't take my wedding band. But they're ruthless and they're like, just give it up, man. And now Billy's starting to get nervous. His hands are shaking and he's telling him, like, just do it, man, just do it. So Billy looks down at Greg and says, please, God, forgive me. And then he shoots him. Can you, like, imagine, though, like, so all this is going on. He's fighting to keep his wedding band. And the irony is that his wife set this all up. That's got to be, like, I mean, obviously him getting shot is, like, the saddest part. But the other part that's just so sad is literally, like, the fact that he was defending his wedding ring and, like, guarding it basically against even protecting his own life when, yeah, she's literally the one who created all of this. And before they shot him, he just wanted to confirm that his dog was okay. What a poor guy. So that kind of tells you his character. So, like, whatever Pam was painting him as, I don't believe it so much anymore. No. Me neither. So it ended up actually being... Billy that pulled the trigger in the original plan it was supposed to be Pete he was walking around saying how easy breezy it was going to be and that he had no problems doing it but then like after he listened to Greg talk about like this is my wife's you know she'll kill me if I give the ring away and please don't hurt my dog and all this stuff he kind of felt bad like he didn't want to go through with it so he kind of like, okay, you know, like, Billy, you do it. You do it. Because he had a knife to him at first. I'm sorry. I guess I didn't disclaim that. So he was pointing the knife to him at first. And then he looked at Billy and kind of nodded his pocket. And Billy like, okay, I got you. And he pulled the gun out. And then he pointed the gun to Greg's head. And it was like some time was standing still because Billy is not wanting to kill him. And Greg is not wanting to die. So could you imagine, like, how long it must have felt, like... Probably, like, forever. In that moment for everybody involved. Oh, my gosh. That had to feel, like, the longest, like, probably 10 minutes of their lives. Yeah, and it was probably really reality, what, 45 seconds? Yeah, honestly. Um, And it's like, Billy will, I'm sorry, Pete later testifies that he didn't want to do it and he felt bad, but it's like, and Billy was saying like, he really didn't want to do it either. So it's like, I really wish they could have came to grips with like reality and just been like, listen, Greg, your wife is a crazy bitch. I don't want to do this. Okay. So let me tell you something, run, run from her and run far away. Okay. And then they could run out of the house and never look back, right? Worst case scenario, they would have got, what, attempted robbery or maybe even robbery. Um, maybe a little bit of an assault charge. But unfortunately, peer pressure is a motherfucker and they were in too deep. Fucking peer pressure. Yeah. So after Billy shoots Greg, they grab three pillowcases full of loot. They go out the back door through the dark field where JR was waiting with Nana's car. 
Oh, the negative energy that's going to be tied to that car. And they hopped in the back seat and they immediately were ripping off their clothes and changing clothes and throwing it out the window as JR was driving and basically just driving down this dark road to hell. That's where they're going, to hell. So everybody's in the car. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's like, oh, my God, what happened? What did we just do? Well, then the energy kind of changes. Jara starts singing this little shimmy bop song called Shooty Shit. Shoe Fly Pie? Yes. Do you know that song? <laughs> it sounds kind of familiar, but I just read it. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I typed it wrong. I think I think that's a thing. Shoe fly pie. Yeah, I was reading the text, and I uh, I want another little bitty bop. This is such a random song for them to pick. It's creepy. <laughs> well, anyway, so yeah, the name of it is Shoe Fly Pie. And JR starts singing it, which, like, how can you be in such like a happy go lucky poppy pop type song? when you're driving a getaway car for a murder that your best friends just committed with robbery and you don't know how your life is going to turn out. Like you seriously have no soul at this point. Yeah. That just for real demonstrates that. So Billy's like starting to get into it. Like, okay, singing along, doing whatever. Pete, he's on a different level. He's like, can we not do this? Okay. Can you guys just shut the fuck up and just get me the hell out of dairy? Okay. And by the way, every time I say dairy, do you think of the movie it? Cause I do. I just keep thinking of all those kids running around town looking for Georgie. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, but now I definitely do. <laughs> so it's 10 30 at night and the boys, they go and did what they did, and Pamela comes home, and she's trying to prep herself because she's got to do nomination of the year for, you know, an Emmy here. <laughs> and she walks in, and the neighbors say that she could hear her scream from down the street. And she muffles the words, help, and someone call 911. I think something's wrong with my husband. <laughs> He's like shot dead and she's like i think something might be wrong with him yeah you think something's wrong with your husband let me marinate on that for a second okay because um he's in a pile of blood he's laying there um hmm oh yeah you orchestrated the whole thing so you know he's dead um, she didn't hire a 15-year-old boy to kill him. She didn't hire 15-year-old boys to rob her house. No? Okay, she's not sleeping with a 15-year-old boy? No? Okay, well then, yeah, I guess maybe she should be worried. Craziness. 
All that aside, if I walked into my house and my husband was laying on the floor in a pool of blood and my house was ransacked, I would definitely be calling for help. But I think I would definitely be saying, God, please help him. I think my husband is dead. Right. Not, um, I think something's wrong with him. <laughs> and of course, how many podcasts, 911 things, documentaries, have we heard people say, well, you know, you don't know how one is going to act until you're actually in it. So I guess we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Except for the fact that she knows that he's dead. Yeah, it would make sense. You know, it'd be more like, okay, if she genuinely didn't know. But we know her whole little backstory. And still, like, you can tell the difference between my husband is not waking up, something's wrong, but he's got a pulse versus he's shot in the head and on the floor. Yeah, big difference. So the time the police and paramedics show up, Greg has been laying there for a while. And when they walked in, he was still in a suit and tie from work. Um, they were kind of taken back by what they saw because Derry hadn't had any homicides in about a year. So this was kind of like, shit, we're out of practice. Like, what do we do? <laughs> um, so they immediately checked the pulse. Clearly, there was no pulse. He was confirmed dead. Um, his face was bruised because he'd been laying there a while. And the blood was coming out from his nose as well. Greg was actually laying on the stomach first. So they did roll him over because they thought, well, maybe we should still try to attempt CPR. But when they rolled him over on his back and they saw that the shot through his head, they're like, yeah, um, I don't think there's any saving him. So now at this point, it's a three ring circus in the front yard um, due to Pamela screaming so loud um, in a quiet neighborhood. It drew the attention to everybody. Um, eventually, they call Judy and Bill, Greg's parents. They show up. Um, they're in a hurry. They're panicking. At this point, they now realize that he's dead. But on the way there, they thought he was just sick or something was wrong. So they were kind of misinformed. Oh, big difference. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, they greet Pamela in the front yard and they ask her what is going on. And she's like, I have no idea. I was tied up at a school meeting. I just got home myself. And when I walked through the door, I just saw poor Greg on the floor. And I I didn't know what to do. Ugh, icky. Yeah. So the other officers come outside and they're like, you know what? Sorry. Like, we tried all we could do, but he's passed. He's dead. Like, So this was a very unexpected murder. Like I said, homicides wasn't big right now in the city. The detectives weren't as polished for it as they should be. So they decide they're going to call a captain from another department. And he comes in. He's got 24 years on the job. He's seen it all. He's not shy. He does, you know, nothing that can shock him. He wants everything done right, prim and proper. Paperwork done. Evidence bagged, tagged. No room for mess-ups, people. Let's go. Some of the officers were like, well, let's go outside, check the field, see what we can find. They only walk with about 100 yards, and they find the hunter's knife. It was stabbed into the ground and just left. Idiots. <laughs> right. 
And then they came across some pieces of the jewelry box from Pamela's bedroom, which probably just fell out of their loot bag. So now it's like curiouser and curiouser at this point because like, what is going on? And why is this knife just in the ground? And so they go back in and they're like, listen, I want like this house researched again. I'd say nothing unturned, but the house is pretty much turned upside down. But <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So multiple police, detectives, investigators from all departments, cities, or surroundings, they're all there. They show up, divide, conquer, if you will. And some of the police officers went to the neighbor's house and, you know, they weren't really able to give any information. They said they've only known him for 18 months, but he was quiet. He was private. They didn't have any beef, but they didn't really know him either. So that was kind of hard for anyone to give anything. It was kind of a dead end. So next they go back to Pamela. Officers talk to her. And when they ask like her perspective, what does she think happened or why she claims, I don't know. I just came home and I walked in and I seen him laying there. And she's like, and I was a big fan of the show Rescue 911. And um, me and my, were just from watching and I just, and I know you're, you're not supposed to touch anything. So I didn't. <laughs> oh my God. Did you ever watch that show? Me and my brother used to watch the show all the time. I have never seen it. It was big in the 90s. I mean, I know you were a little younger in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> probably wasn't my main. I was probably watching Barney. <laughs> you probably weren't born yet in 1990. <laughs> no, I'm not quite. <laughs> Give me five years. Um, but anyways, it was kind of like the big back then, like your first taste of like crime TV. So it was okay. a reenactment of 911 calls, but you got to hear the 911 tapes and then reenactment like on cops or something like that, you know. Oh, cool. So, yep. Um, so, but I quote, after watching 911 on TV and I realized the best thing to do was not touch the body. So I just screamed from help instead. <laughs> now, if you listen to a lot of podcasts and crime shows, like I said, you never know how you're going to react. But I mean, uh, there's still a little bit of judgment with Pam. Yeah. And she deserves it, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, at one point, the detectives noticed that she was acting a little odd. She was very composed, calm, weird. She just kept looking around the room, looking at people, but she wasn't really saying much. But he did notice that for some reason, you know, her newlywed husband who was murdered in their house, it wasn't quite the response they thought they would get. But they weren't going to say anything. They'll save that for another day. They're just going to hope that maybe she's just in some state of shock. So looking back at the evidence, and they said it looked like that Greg had probably been murdered and was dead for about two hours before she finally got home. But it was odd because there was no blood splatter. And they didn't find any bullet fragments, which was also weird. But they said it definitely was shot at close range, but they still can't figure out how there was no blood. Um, so the only thing they can think of is like, maybe, you know how you see on TV, cause they're teenage boys, right? Did they use a pillow like as a silencer? Um, or did they wrap themselves up? But I don't think they had the time and then none of that was in the evidence. So really, I don't think there has, that question has never been answered of 
how exactly the bullet and blood stain contained only on the victim. Hmm, weird. Pure luck, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So when the but they did say the kids threw their clothes out the window, so maybe they just never found those clothes either. That's true. So then the detective started talking to Pam, and she just starts saying a different few theories, like starting with she thinks her husband came home in the middle of a robbery and just saw too much and they killed him. Well, duh. <laughs> Probably facts upon facts. Literally. <laughs> Big facts. Um, and then she talked about how she tried to get a hold of the police every day at 6 a.m., but the cops, they're not really doing their job. They're not sitting down and investigating they have nothing to tell me right now again lies but you're like motherfucking the cops when literally you orchestrated all this like how dare you the audacity of this lady uh then she blames the neighbors she goes on to say i know they heard the gunshots because i can sometimes hear their stereo and i know they can sometimes hear mine so how do you not hear a gunshot go off when it's happening and how come they didn't come down to find out what was happening again the audacity of this bitch gosh so now it's peculiar and more peculiar you know and pam she well she's just a peach about everything as it's going on so the detectives call and they tell her please stop talking to the press you are going to essentially screw up this case stop talking which if she was truly innocent you wouldn't be talking to the press and if you're guilty you wouldn't be talking to the press which i guess maybe if you're guilty you might want to try to have the press screwed up for you but if you're guilty pretending to be an innocent person don't talk to the press yeah either way she should not have been talking to them so apparently that offended her because she said the press we are like one like i am the press the ego on this girl wow seriously you work at a high school calm down <laughs> relax eventually she gets to clear to go home she goes inside they walk her in they tell her you know the house is yours blah blah she literally walks through and over the blood stain where her husband was murdered she looks around she's complaining like look at the way they left my house she looks down at the blood, looks back at him. She's like, who's going to clean this up? You. You, bitch. You're going to clean it up. It's not their job. Literally, cops do not clean it up. You have to, if somebody's murdered in your house or death happens or whatever, you have to pay for cleanup. The cops yeah, don't that's do that. so fucked up. I learned about that, like, not too long ago. And I was like, that's a joke. Yeah. Better call Saul. Yeah, for real. So looking at the case, there's a few red flags detectives come across, you know, pretty quickly. Um, one was that the house was ransacked, but it was different in each room, which made them think like, this is like organized. Like it's got to be. There's got to be two people because it's like destroyed this way in this room, but it's destroyed this way. It doesn't match. Like something's off. Secondly, when they moved Greg's body, they found his ring, his wallet, and his credit cards, his car keys. Everything was underneath his body. So if you're robbing the house, like, the big possessions were right there, and they didn't take any of it. 
So that was kind of confusing. The cops were confused because they said, usually, um, when people go to rob a house, they usually don't have a gun on them. They usually just go in and out quickly to get what they want and leave. Most house robbers or burglaries are not murderers. Like, as weird as that sounds, it's not the same level. Yeah, they just want some free shit. Yeah. So they thought, like, okay, this could be a petty thief thing. But, again, the murder doesn't fit. And it's like you waited until, like, 6 o'clock or, you know, evening time when everybody's home everybody's around and now you're going to have gunfire like that was like a odd time to do it as well so that was kind of like another weird thing because now you're just drawing attention to yourself yeah. and more likely to get caught um so we're gonna do a, a little bit of a quick lesson okay so why don't we not do crimes with 15 year olds like we shouldn't <laughs> do crimes at all but if you're gonna do them as an adult don't do them with a high schooler saying yeah like obviously they're easy clearly we can see from this story they would be easy to manipulate into doing them but the actual act of them carrying it out a little bit messy not so uh not so tight-knit yeah yeah so the next day billy jr cecilia they all go back to school like no big deal you just had a late night last night you know nothing happened nothing happened right just casual. Before first hour even started, Billy confesses to one of his friends and even showing him some like laid out plans of what they did the night before. And his friend's like, no shit, you actually did it. And he's like, yeah. Um, he actually took some of the money that they stole from Greg and he bought his friend's lunch in the cafeteria. <laughs> but that wasn't the only friend Billy told. No, no. He went on telling a few other people like smart <laughs> yeah like okay bro um and then that brings us to cecilia uh she was kind of struggling with it she was like you know i know what they did and they told me they were going to do it but she was kind of not like happy that it happened um so she ends up getting called down to the counselor's office and they told her what happened to Pam's husband because you got to remember her and Pam have this bond and over that uh, video commercial they were going to make and that um, the little group, what was it? The, the D.A.R.E. program? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So she... Just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Who would do that? You know, and they kind of question her. She's like, oh my God, Pam would never do that. And she's just trying to play it cool. And, you know, like, we're not really suspecting you to be a part of it or anything. We just, you know, want to know what you know. And she plays it off. She goes to work that night. She's having anxiety and she's stressed. She's overwhelmed. And she's like, oh my God. And she decides when she gets to Papa Gino's that she's got to confide in a friend too. So she tells a friend what happened to Greg and her friend looks at her like, didn't you tell me your friend was going to have this done? Like, Oh shit. She's like, I told you about that. Oh, I yet another reason you don't carry out this kind of a thing with 15 year olds. Cause they love to gossip. <laughs> yeah. 
so she has a girls' night, and or I'm sorry, so she tells her friend Cindy at the pizza place. They're talking about it, and I mean, could you imagine though? Like you're cutting pizzas, you're putting it on a plate, you're getting the toppings ready, and you're talking about a murder plan that just happened. Like order up, literally. <laughs> so. Then she decides she's going to have a girl's night. She doesn't want to be alone. She's stressing out. She's having anxiety. So Cindy recommended that she shut the F up and don't tell anybody else. Because if you told me and you told anybody else, that's just too many people that know. And someone eventually is going to start talking and you're really going to be in it. So shut the F up about everything. Cindy knows what she's talking about. (laughs) Right? But because Cecilia is Cecilia and she just can't handle all the anxiety, she decides to have a girl's night, has some friends over. You know, let's play girl talk and drink and have wine and gossip. And I don't know, let me tell you all about the murder that um, just happened that I know about, that I was a part of, that I heard of. And so she tells everybody in the group that night. And one of the ladies was like in shock and mortified. And she went home and she told her husband and they called the police and said, guess what I know? Oh, Celia. I mean, honestly grateful that she was dumb because, you know, truth got out. But yeah, in her case, so stupid. And I want to say it's like they're 15. Okay. But seriously, like, even if you're not 15, like, you got to be not stupid and tell people things like that. Yeah, especially even if people are telling her, like straight up giving her the advice, don't tell anybody else. And yet she didn't listen and she just continued to run her mouth. But I mean, Pamela asked three teenagers to come up with this plan. Like, yeah, okay. what did she expect? So now like everybody's on board and they're all like cool and, you know. So like... Now everybody's just talking about it, like, all over school and, you know, friends of friends and, like, okay, like, it's just too many people. So after the police get wind of it, they go pay Cecilia a visit and they go to her house to sit her down with her parents and they have a formal interview with her and they ask her about her relationship with Pam and she says she knows Pam and that they were close, but she knows nothing about any murder and that she didn't think Pam would be capable of anything like that, you know? And so they're just like, okay, you know, well, thank you. If you remember everything else, you know, just basically the regular traditional thing. So Pam, she still doesn't seem to be in shock. She seems to be just living this fantasy world that she's untouchable right now. Like she's just, you know, divided and conquered and everything went smoothly and whatever like she should be a little nervous i mean if you're depending on three teenage hooligans to cover your ass and i'll be on the same story and have it go flawlessly i'd be a little nervous yeah you'd think she would be so her inheritance check clears she gets the life insurance money and you know, I think she needed a little retail therapy because, you know, she's got a lot going on right now. <laughs> so <sense>. she, <laughs> she takes Cecilia and they go and they get her some new shoes and some new clothes and all the pretty things that girls want. 
she buys herself a new car. She puts down a new payment um, on a new house, which is um, kind of close to Billy's house. <coughs> I'm sorry, Billy's mom's house. <laughs> yeah, correction. And uh, she's just, you know, living life again. And she's just showing no fear. I mean, I wonder what it's like to live like that, like to live in a fantasy world, to not have a worry, not have a care. Like, that's got to be a fabulous world because. Honestly, like I haven't even murdered anybody and I don't live in that world yet. I was just going to say same like... thing. Same thing. <laughs> like, what the heck? So, okay, let's take it back. So do you remember Ralph Welch? He was the one that was like crashing on Jared's couch. He had the cousin Ray that was part of the. Yes. Okay. Okay. So he knew like about the plan and that they were talking about it, but he didn't really know or think that like if they really went through the or not, because he didn't want to be a part of it. He's like, I've been in some trouble and I'm trying to like lay low and I'm not going down for this shit, you know? And so he went and he confronted Ray and the rest of the squad. And he's like, did you guys really do that? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we did. And he's like, you guys are idiots. And, you know, they told him the story. They gave him the details. And he's just looking at him like unbelievable. He's like, you guys are screwed. Like, um, and he said to these guys, he literally said, I can't keep this to myself. I don't know what I'm going to do with this information, but something's going to be done. I just don't know what yet. Like, that's ballsy to say to your friends. Yeah, like, and scary for him because who knows what they're going to do. Right? Like, they my just dude. Killed <laughs> my dude, they just killed. Yes, they just killed a guy for less than that. <laughs> like, Right. Like, if they feel threatened by you, they're going to feel, like, powerful because they already killed someone. So they're going to think, oh, we could do this. We know how to do this. And you're their size, like age wise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, but then again, these three are idiots. But still, it's like three versus one. Like, I don't know. That's pretty ballsy. Very. But obviously, they didn't seem worried about it because the next day, Ralph tells Pete Randall that it's time for him to go. Like, you're not welcome in my house no more. Like, it's time for you to just pack your shit and go. Right. And, uh, He's kind of pissed. He's like, whatever. So then they start fighting and they get in a little tuffle. And I took that word from Dax. He says that sometimes. <laughs> I like it. But yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they fight and then it gets broken up. And Pete's kind of just has like the, you know, fuck this. And him and Jer take off. And Ralph goes inside and he tells Jer's mom, She's like, wait, whoa, what happened to your face? And he looks at her and he says, JR used his dad's gun for a crime. Um, they killed a guy. And she's just like, um, okay, well, let's sit down. I have a couple questions. Let's go have a conversation. So he tells JR's mom the story. She calls Jared's dad and he goes and checks his gun. And sure enough, it's like spick and span and shiny and clean. And he's like, I didn't leave this gun like this. So he knew somebody had been messing with it. So he gets the gun and he immediately turns it into the police department. Like he's turning his son in. 
which I got to say bravo, because ultimately you're turning your son in. And that's not an easy, easy decision for a parent. No, I feel like most people wouldn't do that. Yeah. Like most people would like want to protect their kids, even if they knew what they did was wrong. Exactly. So after the information about Ray and so Ray Fowler's mom, she's like, you know, looks at him like get in the fucking car and she takes him to the police department as well. So like moms are on board. They're not fucking around. Okay. No, good for them. And it wasn't but like minutes um, later that they get to the police and they're just they're like shit's going down they're just they're talking they're not even like trying to deny although they did try to blame it on the rest of the squad saying that you know he was just for the joyride he didn't know it was a murder he was just a driver and it's like bullshit bullshit you suck at being a friend bullshit for real and once Billy and Pete heard that their friends were dropping like flies at the police department, they decided they need to get out of Dodge. So they steal Pete's dad's car. They decide they're going to go to Connecticut, maybe go to Mexico, maybe even far out of the country to like South Africa somewhere. <laughs> All the way to Africa. That's dedication. But when Pete calls to check in with his dad, his dad's like, why the F did you steal my car? Where the hell are you? You better freaking bring it back like right now. Pete hangs up the phone and he's like, dude, I'm in trouble with my dad. We got to go back. He wants his car. So they turn around and went back home. To go from planning on leaving to like South Africa to being like, my dad's mad at me. We have to go back is just 15. The, the epitome <laughs> of being 15. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like. So after the boys, they come back, they have a conversation um, with the parents and everybody's saying different stories or trying to cover their tracks. It's just very like sloppy, you know, and basically the parents are like, y'all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> so the next day, the boys decided they're not going to hang out with each other. They're going to avoid seeing each other, lay low, you know, but the police are piecing this puzzle piece by piece it's starting to come together and now Cecilia they decide you know what the police decide let's go to her house because they kind of peg her for the weak link you know what I mean and she's a soft one we can break her so they go to her house but she wasn't home her mom was and they ask you know hey Cecilia here and she's like no but I'll, I'll find her and I'll I'll bring her in so she can have a conversation with you. She's probably over Pam's house. They're super good friends. She spends a lot of time there. Okay. So Cecilia's mom gets a hold of Pam and asks if she's there. And Pam's like, oh, she just left. Um, but I'll get her and I'll bring her to the police station for you. Cecilia's mom finally snapped and she says, you know what? Leave my daughter alone. Stay away from her. Clearly you're toxic. Something's going on. I will take her to the police station myself. Wow, her mom finally realized, oh, red flag, maybe my 15-year-old shouldn't be hanging out with this full-grown adult. Yeah, there's speculation that they think maybe they didn't even realize, like, how old Pam was. Yeah. You know, being a school thing, maybe they thought she was just an older friend. Like, right. Like, maybe didn't really understand, like, all of the, 
ins and outs of it. Yeah. Well, she called to let Pam know. She's like, I just want to let you know we're on our way to the police station. I have my daughter. And Pam's like, oh, well, would you please wait for me? I'll go with you guys. The cops aren't telling me all the information and I need all the details. So if you just wait for me, then I'll go with you guys. And she's like, uh, you can go to the police station and meet us there, but stay away from my daughter. I'm taking her myself. So now I think it's like maybe starting to dawn on Pam wasn't like the bestest friend for her daughter. Like, um, so once I get a hold of Cecilia at the police station, she's being very uncooperative. She's playing like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know nothing about no murders. Just very teenage attitude, right? And the cops are like, well, we're going to charge you with interfering with a murder investigation. And it was kind of a laugh, but Cecilia's mom was like, what? Like, no, 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 no. Stop, stop the interview. Stop it all. Like, you're not charging her with anything. And Cecilia was out of the room and they're like, listen, it's kind of a, a BS play, but we're just trying to scare her. We're trying to get her to talk. She She's not our target. She's not the one we're after, but she knows information and we just need for her to talk to us because she knows some stuff that can help us out. So her mom's like, okay, well, she's not going to talk anymore tonight. She's tired. She's past her limit. Like, let me take her home. I'll talk to her at home and we'll come back. So the police are like, okay, that's fine. They all agreed on it. And truly, I don't think Cecilia was really the one they were after anyway. So they walk out of the police station and Pam, shockingly, was sitting in the waiting room and ran up to Cecilia like they were the besties. And she's like, <gasps> gives her a big hug. And she's like, oh, my God, are you OK? Like, what's going on? I'm just so distraught right now. And Cecilia was assured her that, listen, I didn't say anything. I didn't talk. It's just the same questions I asked the other day. Just go home. Stop freaking out. So then there's Diane, JR's mom. She decided, like, you know what? Enough is enough. We need to find these boys. Go figure out what the hell's going on. So she goes on the hunt. And she happens to find them in Salisbury, Massachusetts. And they're at an arcade playing pinball. Because <laughs> <laughs> where else do you go when you're 15 and have nowhere to go? Oh, my gosh. Comical, I know. <laughs> so she goes in she has a conversation with the boys and she's like listen she's like you guys aren't doing yourself any favors you need to turn yourself in you need to talk to the police whatever it is we'll figure it out but like you need to come home with me so the boys cave they hop in the car they go to the police station news breaks that the boys are arrested and the town's like cool they caught pamela's murder or you know Greg's murder and that was like it like there was no like shock value they just assumed that a couple of crazy kids so as for the captain um he says that he just saw the news that the guys were arrested and uh he's ready to like move forward and dig deep well then Pam calls and she's like I just saw in the news that they arrested the boys. Like, do you think I'm in danger? Mm -hmm. 
And Detective Jackson's like, no, you're not in danger. Are you sure? How do you know they're not going to come after me? And he says, you know why? And I know why. And then he hangs up on her. He knew. He knew. Oh, he knows. Yes. And uh, so I'm like, damn. He's just like, he's had enough of her. Like, seriously. I'm sure. With all her, like, craziness and, like, attention-seeking. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Just, like, shoe fly. For real. Okay, so we've been talking for a while, and I feel like maybe I've been talking a lot. So we're going to stop here, and if you want to join us, which we would love to have you, come back next week for part three, where we wrap it up, and we talk about the Lifetime movie that yes. will disappoint. <laughs> yes, so much more information to come uh so i hope you guys are as excited as us so hashtag see you next week we got to go hashtag stay creepy <laughs> hashtag bye bye